Hello and welcome to Dragon's Demise, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. I'm Jacob, joined as always by Greg. Mm-hmm. And today is December, so we are going to start our December month of specials. Today we're going to start off with our 2017 Big Box Game Gift Guide. Yep, we're going to be talking about what we think are the best big box games from 2017 for giving to your friends. Yeah, but first, let's talk about what we've been playing. Yeah, and one of the games that we've been playing is Fantasy Realms. We played a couple rounds right before recording, best two out of three. You took the series, but I think there's a reason for that. Uh, And that reason is because you have had way more practice than I have over the last week or so. Yeah, exactly. So I was away again, as uh, you probably noticed from our last podcast. And uh, this time was with my parents and we were in Nepal and India. And one of the things that we did, especially in the last evening, was we actually got to play some board games. And uh, the one that we played was Fantasy Realms. And I introduced it to my parents and they, they enjoyed it quite a bit. But we got like nine or 10 games in total so yeah and that's one of the great things about it is that i'm guessing those nine or ten games took you maybe an hour and a half it took it, well i think that altogether they, they took us probably like about two hours or so two right. or three maybe even but uh either way not not that long for nine games right yeah it's just it's a great quick pick up and play game and it's a game that i think rewards repeat playing oh um, for sure because you, know, you start to say you start to memorize sort of the cards in the deck and you know what the mm-hmm. synergies are, you know what you're looking for, as opposed to, you know, when we first played, it was kind of, wait a minute, okay, this card does this, but what does that mean? Like, yeah, how, yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. how many floods are there in the deck or whatever? Um, mm-hmm. But so, yeah, I think it's definitely a game that rewards playing a lot of games in a short period of time and it's easy enough to do so. Exactly. It was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, my dad was actually commenting that this was a game for accountants because of all the counting. Because <laughs> you have to like see whether or not it's worth it to take this one other card and all that. That being said, he won quite a few times, even though he, he's self-proclaimed not very much of a game person. But uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. You know, I tried out a few different strategies. I, you know, got to learn a little bit more about how the cards worked. The gem of order keeps being a very very good card. So good. Like you get very low level cards there because they have low powers for the most part. But at the same time, like it's totally made up for by the fact that you get plus like the one hundred plus one fifty if you get lucky. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really fun game. I very much enjoy it. There are a few rules clarifications that uh, yeah. are a little bit annoying. Yeah, we were talking about one in particular where next time we see Bruce Glasgow, the designer, we were going to have to corner him and ask him exactly what the clarification is for a particular rule. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I've I've definitely enjoyed playing the game. I think it's, it's really interesting. It has a, a really fun theme and... Really interesting gameplay. I actually really like uh, the two-player variant that we were just playing. Yeah, it's interesting because in the two-player variant, unlike the three to seven players, you don't start with a hand of cards. You're building your hand by drawing cards off the top or taking them off the discard pile. And it gives you a lot more control over what your final hand looks like. Um, Because you don't have to worry about, you know, if you start with a a hand of three cards that you want to build a strategy around, you don't have to worry about pitching four cards because mm-hmm. by the time you make it to seven, there's a pretty coherent strategy already in play. Yeah, it's a lot easier to, to get to the strategy with, with the two-player variant as, than it is for uh, any of the other ones. A little bit more complicated just because you know you switch uh, how you're playing in the middle of the game 
you, you get to your seven cards and you get, you play the normal game from there. Right. But at the same time, I I really did enjoy that and and it led to us having a lot higher scores than before. Like, yeah, yeah, we we had some really solid, you know, over two hundred in almost every game mm-hmm. in the, the scores, which is quite high. Yeah, um, exactly for, for the game. Plus, it was nice because we actually got to fully develop a strategy. Yes. Whereas uh, a lot of times in the regular base game, uh, you're just getting to the point where you develop the strategy right at the very end and you, you're not getting the cards that you really want. But here you really had that time to you know, bring all the cards that you want in. But Fantasy Realms isn't the only game that you've been playing or that you played uh, with your folks while you were on vacation, is it? Well, this one I played just because I really love it. I'm still addicted to the app. Race for the Galaxy. Right. I mean, I had it as pretty much my constant travel companion, and I was traveling for a lot. So that was a lot of fun. I probably got about 20 to 30 games in over the, the time that I was there. And it's it's just a great app to play while you're in the taxi or anything like that. And, you know, I've, I've started to notice that I fall into certain patterns, and, like, I tried some other strategies and things like that. But the game is still great. I, I actually have been thinking about it. I have to get some of the expansions for my base game, oh, actual wow. physical box, because I've been playing with all the expansions in the app, and I really like them. And there are some very interesting mechanics that are not in the base game, like takeovers, for example, okay. that you can actually like, literally take over other planets from other people up during the game. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty big change. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's a very limited kind of thing, but it gave me the win at least once. Sure. So it, it's interesting. I, I definitely enjoy the game, and the app is very well done. They actually, I think, fixed some of the bugs that I was having with it before, oh, okay. where it would just like shut down randomly as soon as I turned it on. So it's been getting a lot better, and I've really done a lot on that app <laughs> all right well yeah that sounds like a lot of fun and you've been playing some dnd lately right a little bit yeah so folks who listened to the last episode will remember my story about the inaugural dnd session for the group that i'm i'm running for and we met again we were able to play our second session which wrapped up the adventure they were level one and at the the culmination of this adventure they made it to level two they I thought they handled it fantastically. I, I was really, really proud of them. The sort of final encounter that I had designed was some kobolds in a tunnel. And I made the DCs to resolve the situation peacefully very, very difficult. But they came up with some really ingenious solutions. Uh, one of the characters was a dragonborn, and she sort of stepped out with this <laughs> sort of panache, we'll say, and deceived the kobolds into thinking that she was their god. And so it was just just really innovative and really impressive. And I, I'm glad that they seem to have a good time and that everybody resolved things without having to murder a bunch of kobolds. So new players, listen up. You don't always have to be murder hobos. <laughs> there are other ways to play. <laughs> and even even for new players, it's not just the, the you know experienced ones that, that, that it can do the RP and the actual peaceful resol- resolution of things. Everyone can do it, it seems. And I personally was really amazed that your players came up with that because that's amazing. That's something that I I look for from all my players to like come out with some really interesting like extra strategies or some other like different off the wall way to like solve something without 
just murdering everything in the room. <laughs> yeah, no, they they did a fantastic job, and I'm I'm really very proud and inspired of their uh, of their gameplay. So that was a lot of fun. We're probably going to meet again in a couple of weeks, and I between now and then have to come up with some content. So well, if you don't go. hear from me for a while, that's why is because I've locked myself in my room and I'm crafting a new plot. Yep, and. I'll probably be getting some messages as plot doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're my you're my consultant. So, yep. but there you have it. That's a look at what we have been playing lately. All right, everyone, gift giving season is upon us, and for those board gamers in our audience with board game minded friends, we thought we'd come up with a helpful list of 2017 games for gifting. So we each went through and we picked our top five games that we played that are available for purchase right now that came out in 2017. So a couple restrictions there, a couple hoops to jump through, but we wanted to make sure that we kept it timely and also that uh, they were available to give to your friends. Exactly. So without further ado, let's start with number five. So Greg, what's your number five? My number five is Pandemic Legacy Season 2. Those of you who tuned into the stream will know that I have something of a contentious relationship with this game so far, <laughs> but that I do think it is pretty well designed. I think it's it's quite innovative, and I haven't played every game in the Pandemic franchise, but based on the mechanics that, that I've seen... possible. <laughs> it's a Herculean endeavor. Yep. Um, but based on the mechanics that I've seen so far from Season 2, and also just the fact that you know, building a mythos is something that really appeals to me. I think Pandemic Legacy Season 2 is a perfect gift, especially if you're buying for a group. Yeah, or for people who have played Pandemic Legacy Season 1. Right, that helps. But the other great thing is that it's not necessary. No, definitely not. Definitely not. What about you? What is Jacob's number five? My number five is a game called Whistle Stop. So this is a game for all you train lovers out there. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> so it is a pick up and deliver kind of game in a way. And it's fun. You, you're both building the board and trying to get through it at the same time. You're using uh, different resources like whistles, coal, and that kind of stuff uh, that let you move in different ways. And like, you know, you have a few different strategy uh, elements in there Like you're trying to get uh, upgrades on uh, your trains in order to be able to do something. Like, for example, you can get a toll upgrade on your trains so that any train that is trying to leave a space that your train is on has to pay you resources mm. or something like that. And in general, it's got a really, really good mix of both stock kind of management elements as well as pick up and deliver. And there is a whole spatial aspect of moving around the board and trying to get to know whether or not you want to get to the end at a certain point and who you want to block and, and that kind of thing. So Strategic train game. Yes, it's uh, very strategic, but it's light enough to play in about 40 minutes. So it's not one of those uh, steam rails to riches or railways of the world that you sit down for three hours and play this really heavy train game. This that's, one's a lot lighter. That's good. So it's, it's there for you know, anyone who likes that and likes that, even like a little bit of ticket to ride. Uh, if they like that and want something a little bit more, this would be definitely a good one for them. Number four. Whoosh! Alrighty, so I'll start out this one because mine is a repeat of yours. So for me, Pandemic Legacy Season 2 is my number four game. All right, a little bit higher regard for it than me, I guess. Well, I'm just intrigued 
buy it. Like, like as you said, we've only really played the prologue and the first half of the first month. So we don't know too much about it yet. But just the idea of how it's working and the way that they adapted Pandemic's mechanics into this whole different strategy is fascinating to me. And um, so far, I've really enjoyed it. And like you said, the whole mythos is great. And I can't wait to dive deeper into that. Yeah, totally agree. For my own part, number four is number nine. Number Mm. nine is a spatial game in which you have tiles, squared off tiles, representing the numbers zero through nine, numerals, zero through nine. And you lay them down on levels. Essentially, there's, you know, the ground level. And then on top of that, you can place other numbers. And the higher a number is placed, the more points it scores you at the end of the game. It's a multiple of itself based on what level it appears on. Minus one. Minus one, right, yeah. The bottom level does not score you any points. So your base is just your base. Exactly. And so it's this really interesting spatial game where you have to kind of think about, okay, do I try to go for easy points now or do I try to set myself up for points later? And that sort of quick-paced, slightly different reasoning than a lot of the games that I'm usually into meant that it was really a breath of fresh air. I thought it was solidly crafted, and I would definitely recommend it to anyone looking for an approachable experience. I think it's very easy to bring to table. You can play it with as few as two people. And uh, it's just a lot of quick fun. Yeah, it is definitely a very fun game. Well, on to number three. Number three, in this slot, I selected Alien Artifacts. This is definitely a game that people have heard us talk about before. Alien Artifacts is a 4X game that plays relatively quickly. I won't necessarily say that it plays in one hour like they advertise. (laughs) But it does play very quickly. It's about deciding whether or not you want to play something logistically and gain sort of immediate short-term bonuses, a lot of times boosts or production, or whether you want to play it operationally for the long-term scoring implications. So it really does a good job of capturing, I think, the delicate balance of 4X games, where you want to plan for your late game, but you don't want to spend too much time ramping up because otherwise someone's just going to rush you down. And Alien Artifacts does a fantastic job of that. There we go. My number three is actually one that I'm going to put a little bit of an asterisk on it because, well, this game was available sort of last year on uh, around Christmas. Fudging the rules. Um, It is Terraforming Mars, but as many of our listeners probably know, It was pretty much impossible to get last uh, Christmas and all the way through this July. So this is a game that I know Greg loves. I do. Um, I really do. And I do very much enjoy it as well. And I definitely think it's worth it, especially if you have a board gamer in your life that likes sci-fi as well as action selection. It's really a good game for that very solid game in general and just a lot of fun absolutely what about your number two so for number two i'm going a little bit out of the realm of board games and i'm gonna go for fall of magic so fall of magic as some of you may have heard us talk about is a blend almost of a board game and like a storytelling rpg Right. It still comes in a box. It still comes in a box, and uh, you play on a scroll. But the mechanics are tell a story. 
and keep going. There is a little bit of dice rolling, a little bit of like uh, guided storytelling and that kind of stuff. But honestly, this is an experience that is amazing for anyone who really enjoys RPGs and that kind of stuff. Because the whole production quality of it is is phenomenal. It really is. The scroll itself is amazing. It's a lot of fun to just explore that even just the first time you're unrolling the scroll and you're going through it and you're seeing what's coming up next. It's amazing. But at the same time, you can play this over and over again. And even the designer who we talked to at WashingCon said that he's never played two of the same game. It's always been different. So this has a ton of replayability, a lot of fun. I highly recommend this. Yep. My own number two is Massive Darkness. This is a game that I've only come into recently, and it makes such a high spot on my list precisely because it was such a surprise. I am not the biggest fan of Zombicide, which may come as a surprise to people who know that we stream that regularly, but I generally don't enjoy the sort of dudes on a map, move around, kill stuff, loot the room gameplay but massive darkness does it so so well and it does it so innovatively from the perspective of integrating treasure into the game you know a lot of games like this you've just got some arbitrary oh okay search the room flip over a thing and you can do that an infinite number of times whereas with this most monsters that you fight are going to be carrying a specific treasure that they can use against you and you get to loot it off of them when you're done and it just it amps up the reward factor as well as the fact that you know there's a finite number of chests each of which contains Mm -hmm. you know a specific level of item and you have this sort of natural progression as you go through the game i think it's a very well crafted game i haven't played story mode yet but i think just in terms of the standalone experience leveling up from from one all the way up to to five i think they did a great job of making the progression feel natural and making it feel rewarding. Yes, definitely. And uh, it's a lot of fun to play. I definitely have enjoyed the game that I've played so far. Great improvement on the mechanics from Zombicide and other cool mini or not games. Before we get to number one, now a lot of people here would do honorable mentions. We're going to do something slightly different. We have two other categories that we wanted to highlight, and those are our Wish games, which are the games that we have not played but really, really want to, and so they're pretty much our blind recommendations. Yep. And then the other one is expansions. So there have been a lot of really cool expansions that came out, and we wanted to make sure to highlight those, and then the ones that we're going to talk about right now are going to be the ones for bigger box games rather than small box expansions. Right. So I'll start us off. My wish list game, this was definitely very hard to narrow down, but ultimately I settled on This War of Mine. Mm -hmm. Um, This War of Mine is a board game based on a video game based on the general experience of being a bystander in a war-torn city. It is a very heavy experience that's really about how do you survive in situations that are just fundamentally less than humane. Um, And I thought that the video game was such a fantastic exploration of those themes that the board game seems like it would be really interesting to play. I definitely have that on my wish list. I would love to play this war of mine. And therefore, I will share my wish with you. There we go. My wish list uh, game is a game called Charterstone. Uh, This is from Stonemaier Games. 
and it is pretty much a worker placement legacy game and i'm very much looking forward to seeing how this turns out i haven't gotten all too much information about it just like some of the snippets that have come out on facebook or been published or anything like that jamie stegmeyer is really good at putting them that out there and i'm just really really interested to see uh, how this kind of worker placement like legacy aspect works together especially in a competitive environment versus a cooperative like pandemic legacy yeah, this is a game where I'm similarly intrigued. I have been following the Facebook group for this game for quite a while, specifically yep. because you invited me. Yep. And um, it, it does really look intriguing. I think there's no other word to mm-hmm. describe it. Yeah, so definitely on my wish list. And it is coming out before Christmas, so you will be able to get it <laughs> under the tree for someone. Squeaks if- in on a technicality. Exactly. So now let's talk about expansions. I have a inkling feeling that we're going to talk about the same one. Because my expansion is Between Two Cities Capitals. Your inkling feeling is correct. My expansion is also Between Two Cities Capitals. Now, this was really hard to choose. It really was. There were a lot of great expansions that came out this year, as Jacob mentioned. You've got Terraforming Mars, Hellas, and Elysium. You've got two great expansions for Mystic Veil, The Wind Gambit, the new expansion for Scythe. You had a lot of competition. But for me, at least... Between Two Cities Capitals is just so fully featured that it has to take the slot. I think it's changed the game the most. That's my thought. Because it it takes Between Two Cities from a game that is extremely light and uh, just good for an in-between kind of game for groups and something that's a little bit more strategic to a game that can really involve you like still quick and everything like that but at the same time there's a lot more to think about it adds so many cool aspects and i just really really enjoyed the expansion yeah i absolutely agree i think all three of the sort of new mechanics that are added in capitals each of those alone could have been an expansion and so just the fact that they rolled them into a single box i think is really just fantastic and they do they do fundamentally change the experience of playing the game for the better. They make it more complex, certainly. They introduce a steeper learning curve. Yeah. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, and I think it's something that once everyone at the table sort of figures out how those mechanics work, really enhances the richness of the game. Yeah, and I mean, uh, the cool part about the expansion is like you, you can still play it on the base game, and it's still an amazing game. But like I we haven't really played around with this, but you can only add certain aspects also true you can just add for example the terrain mats and just play with a slightly larger city but with with the terrain stuff you can also just add the civic buildings or or whichever combination of the three things that it adds will work and i think it's just done very very well and can really enhance your between two cities gameplay yes and now it's time for the big reveal, the number one slot. Drum roll, please. I'm going to go first, but I think we have, again, the same answer, <laughs> which should surprise no one near and far. Correct. Uh, that is my number one as well. It's, I mean, what can you say? It is everything that we both love in a game. You've got just a fantastic engine system that's not overly reliant on that one fundamental underpinning you've got a great 
persistent exploratory setting that's just lovingly rendered. And at the end of the day, you've just got solid gameplay. The mechanics yeah. of you know moving from from place to place, completing quests, acquiring items, just flows very naturally. I think. Yeah, and it's it's a very well balanced game for that matter as well. The the times that we've played so far, like no one's been blown out of the water. It's always been like by like you know one or two points that mm-hmm. like you know someone wins, someone loses, something like that. It's been very very close. And then the story aspect is as always amazing. Like and now you actually have plot lines that you follow when you're playing the the actual character mode, and you're going through and you're looking for these and. They might not always actually happen. They might like sometimes be there, sometimes not. And uh, I just really like how uh, that all works. And it's just a game that I cannot wait to bring to table more and more. So the artwork is, as always, stunning, mm-hmm. gorgeous, however you want to say it. It's Ryan Lockhart. Everyone knows we have a crush on him. Yeah. But it's really, really a great, solid game and probably the game that we've enjoyed the most in 2017 so far. Absolutely. And I think one of the other things that has to be mentioned, especially when you're looking at a gift, is something that doesn't come up a lot in board games, but does come up a lot in video games, is sort of playtime. You know, the the average number of hours you're going to be able to spend on this game is just monumental. The fact that you've got not just a story mode, but then once you've played through the story mode, you've got character mode where you can explore the personal stories of each of the eight characters. Plus, you've got arcade mode, which just allows you to sort of free play if you don't want to or have already completed the story. There's just so much to explore about the lore of the game, which isn't something that you see with board games a lot, and it's something that I absolutely love and would would highly recommend to anyone who's interested in crafting a world. I completely agree. It really does have amazing depth like, between all of the different maps and everything like that and the stories that come out of the, them. It just does an amazing job of immersing you in this world. That has been being built through Islebound, Above and Below, and all these other games of his. So I definitely think that that is a worthy number one for anyone on your Christmas list this year. Absolutely. Or any other holiday list. (laughs) Valentine's Day. Screw it. Yeah, you know. Well, there you go. That is our big box game gift guide for 2017. We hope you enjoyed. We hope you agreed. But if you didn't, let us know. Is there anything that we left out? Again, we were coming at this specifically from a perspective of games that we played. Let us know what games you played that you really loved, you think we should get to, and maybe put on our list as sort of the the little cheat one for next year. Exactly, exactly. Make sure to let us know what you think and... Give us your own recommendations. We would love to hear them. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Dragon's Demise. We hope you enjoyed. You may have seen on our Facebook page that our friends from the tournament movie are going to be organizing a screening in Glen Burnie, Maryland, which is going to be happening on December 9th. It's a Saturday. Tickets are available now. We're both going to be going. We're finally going to get to actually see the film that we've been talking up. Yeah, I can't wait. 
And so we hope to see you there. If you're in the area, come on out. Should be a great time. We hope you join us this Wednesday on our weekly stream. And also, don't forget to tune in next week for our small box stocking stuffer game guide 2017 other adjectives type of thing. Uh, We're going to be talking about stocking stuffers and other sort of uh, tiny epic-esque games that you can gift people for this holiday.